Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Books to Last podcast. This week we're joined by Bianca from Your Words, My Ink, and we talk fantasy, our shared hatred of sand, representation, and everything in between. I really hope you enjoy. Bianca, thank you so much for joining us on the Books to Last podcast. How are you feeling today? I am feeling good, a little bit hot. It is actually still summer here, so. Oh wow, that lucky! It's so cold here at the moment. No, no it's it's very hot here. I've turned the aircon off because I don't want it to interfere. But yeah, it's warm. We really appreciate uh, your sacrifices. Thank it's- you. Yeah, it's still quite cold here. Spring hasn't quite sprung for us. Mm. So um, I'm hoping that the weather will start perking up a little bit here soon. Um, so are you reading anything at the moment? Um, what, what, do you, what are you thinking of it? I am actually reading Rule of Wolves, the new Lee Bardugo book. Uh, it's going slow. <laughs> I have had to increase the text size a considerable amount because I had eye surgery a week ago so now the book is 900 pages long and I'm just struggling through it (laughs) oh I'm the opposite I tend to like decrease the page uh, the text size to like the smallest one um but I always get really disheartened when I'm like in a book especially like and it gives you the predicted amount of time Mm -hmm. until like the end of the chapter and I think it's till the end of the book and then I realize it's not Yeah, so it's taking me a while. I am enjoying it, but I'm not that far into it yet. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm a big Lee Bardugo fan, but um, I'm, I get tired of books really quickly, especially if the series drags on. So with the Grishaverse, I'm hoping this is the last one. Yeah, I have that problem with sort of with series. Um I have kind of got myself into trouble with like starting series when they're not all out because if I have to wait like a year for the next installment my head's so far out of that world that even though I really enjoy the series I still I don't want to know what happened as much as I did when I finished the last book I think the only series I've been able to read as it gets released is like Rick Riordan's books because he would Mm -hmm. without fail it used to be like I think it's changed now because he does more but I think like the 7th of November without fail you were going to get a new book Um, (laughs) um, but yeah I get I've just had my first experience with Lee Bardugo I just finished Mm -hmm. the Six of Crows which I've never read anything by her before that's my favorite yeah, I well, it was recommended actually by the last guest on this podcast um, it, because uh, and I was struggling to think of what to read and she sort of sold me on it so well and it sounded a lot like um, another book which was a favourite of mine and I was like, oh, I'll give it a try and then I just, I think I read it in like a day. I started it on my Kindle yeah. and then I stayed up until like one o'clock in the morning to finish it. It, it is a good book it's very hyped at the moment but I think it deserves the hype because it is a good book yeah it's one of my favorites. 
I've I've heard so much sort of hype around it on social media and I think that's probably why I hadn't also I knew it was part of the Grisha verse and I haven't read the 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 main Grisha trilogy and I was a bit like oh don't know if I want to commit to another trilogy at the moment so I I thought that I'd have to read it before but yeah okay so rule of wolves feeling slow at the moment but it might pick up it might it might pick up I'm excited for it but we'll see where it goes for anybody who's listened to the podcast who maybe hasn't heard it before how we do it on the books last podcast is we uh challenge someone who loves books and has read far 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 well read far and wide and uh we get them to pick the only five books they can take with them when they're cast away to a isolated remote location the only five books they can take with them and they have to read forever um as part of this, our guest gets to pick um, the isolated location they get to go to because uh, we we aren't limiting ourselves to just desert islands um, unless our guest wants to go to one. So uh, with that in mind, uh, Bianca, where would you like to be cast away to? Okay, so I thought about it and I absolutely hate sand. Same. <laughs> Sorry, that's why I don't do the desert island. I hate it yeah. so much. <laughs> of sand or the heat or anything like that so I would really like to go to someplace cold ideally maybe Scotland or the UK or somewhere over there (laughs) but yeah I'm not a big fan of sand and being warm and those types of things so I want to isolate if you could call it that (laughs) in Scotland (laughs) Well, Scotland would be an excellent place to do it, and uh, it's quite a popular choice as well. I um, I've visited Scotland briefly, and yeah, in the hills and the wilds and all that sort of stuff, excellent places to go to. You could be in a cabin or some other remote place, a castle. Oh, to be fair, they do have really excellent castles, yeah. very good castles. <laughs> okay, so we're going to a castle in Scotland, which is an excellent mm-hmm. place to read, I would think. So uh, what is the first book you will be taking with you to your remote castle? Okay, so I just want to say that this was impossible. <laughs> I don't like rereading books. So I had to give some serious thought into books that I would like to reread. And I got seven, but obviously two of them are honorable mentions. So the first one on my list is Harrow the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Apologies for pronunciations. (laughs) English is not my first language. But yeah, that's my first book, Harrow the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. That is one I've heard of, but not one I've read. Um, Would you mind giving us a bit of information about what it's about? Yeah, so it's the second book in a series. The first book being Gideon the Ninth. And I really enjoyed Gideon, but Harrow just stood out for me like it was the best. The short description is that it's necromancers in space. Sold. brief description but uh, it's actually it's such a big story and so complicated and the lore is so fascinating and amazing so basically what happens in Gideon the Ninth is um, Gideon is sort of a slave to one of the worlds in this space 
setting. We don't know much about the, the setting, but she has to follow her sort of master, the, yeah, sort of like that, um, Harrow, to go and compete in these trials to become a lictor. So a lictor is essentially an immortal necromancer who's very powerful and kind of like serves their god. So in the first book, they go and they face these trials and I don't want to give too much away what happens in the end, <laughs> but it was quite shocking. And then Harrow the ninth follows Harrow as she is now a lictor and she has to fight alongside their god to protect their solar system, I guess you could call it. Yeah, it, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of descriptions on how the necromancy works and everything, but it'll just blow your mind away. It sounds really, really epic. And it is a book that I've heard a lot of praise about. Um, yeah. And it's always it's interesting when it's, it's the second one in the series as opposed to the first, because the first is usually a favourite. Um, is there, What is it about, I suppose, Harrow as a character in particular that maybe makes her stand out a little bit more than Gideon? I love Gideon. She is a badass all around. Um, but Harrow is the necromancer and she is just equally as bad as she's supposed to be like the best one of her generation so she does a lot of awesome stuff i listen to the audiobooks actually um, because getting books in south africa is a challenge but the audiobook narrator just delivers her lines with this you know it's like a punch to your gut and it's just it's just amazing like i cannot stop recommending this book and if I think about the ending of Harrow the Ninth in particular, I want to cry because the next book is not coming out for another year. So that's disappointing. Yeah, the uh, it's it's amazing the difference a good audiobook narrator can make, really. Um, I recently listened to, I think, the second, uh, the second book in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and uh it's narrated by martin freeman which is just amazing anyway but he did a really really good job with the narration there um two seconds yeah sure <laughs> someone is cutting hedges outside my window uh which they weren't doing when we started <laughs> okay so harrow the ninth by tandemir um necromancers in space really sounds really really cool would you say it's more of a sort of like a dark magic book or a sci-fi book or is it quite an even even blend of the two because those aren't two things that I would have put together (laughs) it's it's definitely sci-fi in the sense that um, Harrow the Ninth takes place on a space station so you definitely have some sci-fi elements and there's planets and like planet-sized monsters and everything like that but in a sense, it's also fantasy because necromancy is it's magic. And, but the way that it's blended in together, it just this world just makes so much sense. And Harrow the Ninth is, parts of it is written in second person perspective, which... Tricky. Was, yeah, it's tricky. It was really jarring when I started it because I was a little bit lost because how, how Gideon the Ninth ended... You know, I didn't think we'd take this route. But at the end, she actually reveals why she 
wrote it in second person and then your jaw just drops and it's oh it's amazing it is really it makes so much sense and I think it was used really well in this book and I don't read don't read a lot of books in the second person perspective I don't think it's very common for books to be that way no I think it's um second person I think it's it's actually yeah I think it's quite difficult to do very well so I think uh, it tends to be avoided and I cannot think of a single book I've read in the second person so that's really really interesting it's not the entire book there is different scenes that's written from third person perspective Mm -hmm. and I was confused until about halfway through and then things start making sense and you start to realize okay but this is what happened in Gideon the ninth so this must be what's happening in Harrow so yeah I don't want to give too much away but uh, it is just a spectacular book like this woman is a genius I don't know how she did it but she is a genius yeah she sounds it I um I suppose the reason why I asked about the sort of the magic and sci-fi elements being mixed was um I read I read the first book in the Beautiful Creatures series which it's not quite as drastic a difference it's very sort of uh it's like southern America that kind of um atmosphere with like a very dark occult kind of witch atmosphere and the thing is those two things do sound like they should mix really really well but the way the book is written I think maybe because it's got two authors and I think they alternate chapters but um when I was reading it I just remember the two vibes of the two chapters they felt like two completely different books and it really sort of took me out of it so it's really good to hear that it's like done really well in this one really really bold start to the list um what is the second book that will be joining Harrow the Ninth? Okay, so the second book is kind of similar in a way that it blends science fiction and fantasy really well. And that is The Spark of White Fire by Sangu Mandana. Again, sorry for pronunciation. Don't worry, I, I'm terrible <laughs> with pronunci- pronouncing other people, uh, authors' names. So A Spark of White Fire, oh, it's so good. These books are so good. Um, It is a retelling of the Mahabhatra. It's an Indian sort of like, I I don't think it's a religion or stuff like that, but it's it's ancient Indian stories. Oh, so like ancient Indian folklore and mythology and that sort of thing. So I read it first. I, I was on a blog tour for the second book. But I hadn't read the first one yet, which happens quite often. Yeah, that's that's the way of book bloggers. I <laughs> I know <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and um, I read this book in one sitting. It was that good. It is set in space, but it has magic. It has gods. You know, the gods interfere in human lives and everything like that. So it is just so good I'm not very good at giving descriptions of books aside from just saying how good they are but um yeah I have Goodreads open so I'm gonna kind of like read it but I'll give some cliff notes <laughs> so um the Goodreads description is basically um raised alone and far away from her home is my long to return to her family when the king of Wichtar offers the gift to gift the unbeatable sentient warship to a warrior who can win his competition, 
she sees her way home. She'll enter the competition, reveal her true identity to, to the world, and help her brother win back the crown. So it's kind of like a, a royalty mixed with, you know, warships and space travel and gods. And it's just, you think that these kinds of fantasy blends of science fiction wouldn't work well. Because when you think science fiction, you think, okay, science. Aliens. But, yeah, aliens. And then you have all these gods who can do magic and play tricks on people. And it's just, it works really well. So this is just a really amazing book. It sounds it. And I mean, um, for it to be a sort of, uh, you not having read the first one and then reading the second one, um, and it to sort of pull you in the world into the world really well. I mean, so that's that sounds really great. I, I remember when I used to have my book blog, I would um, I requested the second and third books in series so many yeah. times because they're yeah. not well advertised as sequels. <laughs> um, and uh, but it is always really interesting when you don't go into it and you don't feel, I suppose, completely lost. Um, yeah, the first book, um, the Spark of White Fire, is the first book, but. Mm. Even going into the second book, it the world building, it just keeps on, you know, it keeps on building up and you start to realize how interconnected things are. And it's just amazing when authors can set up a really good first book and then everything pays off in the second book. But the second book should also be setting up for the third. So it's just, it's a really good blend. And this is just a really good space opera if you could call it that with magic involved <laughs> i um yeah space opera is a good word i to be fair i i really enjoyed some space operas recently not so much in the royal fantasy um sort of subgenre of sci-fi if if you could call it that um it tends to be i recently read um it was a translated novel called um What's the first one called? I can tell you the sequels. <laughs> um, I think it's called Ascension. Um, and it's it's like a dating sh- TV show, but in oh, space. Really? Yeah. And um, I remember really, it, it didn't seem like something I was going to really enjoy, but um, it, it, was, it was really good. But yeah, space opera is a really great genre. And A Spark of White Fire, I mean, drawing in, mythology and gods and space royalty is always really fun as well i've re- i just read a book um that had a lot of well it was more space politics than space royalty but um, but it is interesting because they can kind of completely make it up but also harken back to like themes that we already have um in sort of real life quote unquote yeah. um and politics in this book is amazing as well because Kali's brother is the heir to the throne, but he's been usurped. So currently her uncle is on the throne. So she wants to essentially infiltrate her uncle's court to help her brother get back on the throne. But when she gets there, she realizes they're not bad people. They're not bad rulers. So it's the family dynamics is amazing. And it's such a great space to work in because her brother isn't completely right. And her uncle isn't completely right. So you actually don't know which side she's going to choose. And I like that. Yeah, we like a morally grey area. I always, um, oh, it's one of the difficulties I kind of had with, I suppose, I mean, Game of Thrones, because like when you can, when you've got people that you like on all sides, mm-hmm. there's like, there's no ending that's going to completely satisfy yeah. everything you want to come out of it. But um, 
it's it's just really interesting to see where the cards fall. So more sci-fi excellence um, on the list with A Spark of White Fire. Um, what is the third book that will be joining your um, sci-fi extravaganza for so far? <laughs> okay, so the third book isn't a sci-fi book and it's not a fantasy book either. Um, it's Small Spaces by Sarah Epstein. It's a thriller, I think, it, yeah, contemporary psychological thriller. And I don't read a lot of thrillers because they don't usually, like, thrill me. <laughs> so I'm not usually very invested in the plot. But this book had me entirely invested. It's YA as well. So the characters are a bit younger. And it follows the story of this girl who she saw one of her friends get kidnapped. And, you know, she, she didn't. She thought a monster kidnapped her friend. It looked like a monster. And nobody actually believes her because she's a child and, you know, monsters aren't real. So no one believes her. And then uh, I think it was like a few months later, her kidnapped friend is found. And the kidnapped friend just doesn't say a word. She doesn't speak at all anymore. So no one really knows what happens to these two. And then the book starts off with, this main character kind of seeing the monster again and you don't know what's real you don't know if the monster is actually a person and she has these sort of blackouts that happen where she thinks she's done something or she thinks she saw the monster but it didn't actually really happen so there's a very fine line between reality and fiction <laughs> but it was an amazing book it had me up like the whole night reading and then I couldn't sleep because I was scared <laughs> uh I see that's the reason why I don't tend to read thrillers myself either because I um I I read when I sort of even when they're really good ones because I usually sort of connect to the imagery so much when I'm reading um they just give me nightmares and I mean I have that issue with fantasy books as well because some of them can get yeah. real dark <laughs> but it just seems like um playing with fire with the with thriller ones it just feels worse yeah. more people get kidnapped and killed and bad things and all that sort of stuff um but that sounds really really interesting does it I mean does it end on a cliffhanger? Do you get a resolution at the end? You get a resolution. It's a standalone. So it's, there is a resolution at the end that, you know, it, it is kind of like a, an episode of Criminal Minds, if I could call it that. Um, and I was really blown away by it because it was a young adult book and I didn't expect it to take such a, a deep look at, you know, your mental health and what happens when you go through like extensive trauma like this. So it was a really good book and it ended really well. I mean, spoiler alert, but there's a happy ending. <laughs> and yeah, I like it when these kind of characters sort of overcome their trauma and they, they deal with their trauma and they don't just shove it to the side. So it, it is a really good book. That sounds really good. And I think, um, a good deep dive into sort of mental health, especially in the YA genre, is 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 definitely a good thing. I know. Um, I suppose that's one thing that fantasy books don't always like. A lot of the YA fantasy books that I've read, I should probably um, disclaimer. I've not read all of them, um, <laughs> but the fantasy YA books that I've read, a lot of the main characters go through like 
huge amounts of trauma but because it's not identified as trauma and they don't always necessarily I don't know have the fallout that they would maybe if that was more of a theme um sometimes they kind of just skip over all of it and and go on and they save the world anyway and it's not really addressed um one of the yeah it's 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 just it's it's good when it is addressed as like something that needs to be fixed because it's a good um really sort of authentic feeling character Mm. arc and development so that's really really good and a quite a change of pace for the list so we we uh have got sort of our different takes on sci-fi and a very very thrilling thriller which is technically what you what you want (laughs) um what is the fourth book that will be joining on your list Okay, so I'm taking a left turn again because I thought the list should be, you know, diverse in terms of genre because you do get tired of reading one genre over and over again. So the fourth book on my list is Get a Life, Chloe Brown, a romance book by Talia Hebert. We read it for our book club, I think in February, yeah. And I just... I don't normally read romance, but I love this book. So basically, Chloe Brown is uh, chronically ill, so she can't do much. And she decides that she, you know, wants to start living her life again, despite this illness. So she makes a list of kind of like a bucket list, but not a bucket list because she's not going to (laughs) die. So she makes this list to help her get a life. And then she meets her, I don't think he's her landlord. He's like the maintenance guy in her building. And she gets him to help her with her list. And then obviously romance ensues. (laughs) But it was just such an amazing book that took such a real look at mental illness or not mental illness, chronic illness and how it affects your life and how it affects your mental well-being as well. And it just, uh, the book had me feeling many things. (laughs) That's really nice. I didn't actually. So I've heard, I've seen Get Alive Chloe Brown come up on my social media feeds mm-hmm. quite a lot, but I didn't actually know what it was about. And I didn't know that I had sort of chronic illness representation, which is really, I know something that um, isn't very well represented in literature at the moment. So that's really, really great. And it's, um, isn't, doesn't the author have a few sort of se- sequels or books in the same yeah. sort of area? So that's, that's really, really good. Uh, yeah, romance never used to be one that I used to read when I first sort of got into reading uh, when I was a teenager. I was very much like, no, I don't, I don't read romance. I don't know. I don't read that. I like fantasy and people being in sword fights and that sort of thing. I am <laughs> not interested in romance. And then um, I think um, when Dimple meant met rishi was the thing that kind of changed it because that's like ya romance and all of the books in that series i absolutely adore and it kind of just sparked it sparked another genre that i read because i tend to not stick to that many genres anymore i'm not exclusively fantasy like i used to be um and i found myself seeking out romance a lot more last year because it's very fun and light-hearted and that's really what 2020 needed yeah good at the end I also started reading a bit more romance last year um, because 
I was tired of fantasy and I just wanted something different. So I read a few romance books and I've been meaning to read Get a Life, Chloe Brown. So we picked it for the book club and I read the sequel or not. It's not a direct sequel. You know, they follow different characters. Um, but there's three books and each follows one of the Brown sisters. So Chloe is the oldest. And then uh, take a hint, Danny Brown is the second one. I just finished it like a few days ago and uh, it was just so funny and so relatable and so sweet and it just makes me wish my life was a romance novel. Yeah last year definitely just uh, because everything was going on I mean in most of the books that I read like especially sort of with fantasy um you know the kind of they're very high stakes and the world's basically ending and then when my and I guess part of that was like escapism but when it kind of and the world wasn't ending last year but it felt like it sometimes (laughs) um and I was a bit like this isn't escapism anymore this is just what my life feels like so I wanted low stakes light-hearted mainly funny (laughs) And uh, romance kind of delivered on all of those things, which was really, really fun. So, um, yeah, I I will have to add Get a Life, Chloe Brown to my uh, reading list because it sounds really, really, really fun. And I love a YA romance that spawns a series. The, um, the I'm, I apologise if I pronounce it wrong. The Sandhya Menon books, When mm-hmm. Dimple Met Rishi and all of the ones afterwards are just so fun and lovely and to be fair I think there's something about Sweetie is my absolute favorite um of all of them because it's just so nice um (laughs) makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside (laughs) that's what you need in 2020 and in 2021 so yeah definitely I um I've I've recently bought a few more uh romance but YA sort of books that Mm -hmm. I want to try out as well so I will add that one to the list for fun light-hearted holiday reading I find I always crave sort of romance and fluffy nice light-hearted books when I'm sort of on holiday if that ever happens again um <laughs> yeah same <laughs> um so yeah really mixing it up are we going to be taking another wildly different turn for the fifth and final book of your yeah. list we're going back to fantasy but more traditional fantasy Um, and I think this is a really underrated fantasy book that more people should read and that is The Queen of the Tearling by Erika Johansson. I read this book probably when I was not old enough to actually be reading it Um, but it is a very high fantasy book about this princess who she was sent away from home and her uncle has been ruling since her mother died. And now that she's turned 18, she has to kind of go back to her kingdom and rule. But her kingdom is on the verge of a war with another kingdom and her uncle has spent all their money and it's just, everything is in dire stakes here. Um, And the protagonist, um, Kelsey, I think that's how you pronounce her name. That's how I say it in my head. Um, she is described as very plain and she never has a love interest in the series. And that was kind of like one of the first fantasy books that I read without a romance subplot. And I absolutely adored it. And what makes this book really stand out is that it's kind of also sci-fi. Because this fantasy kingdom that they live in 
they used to live on earth in our world so in the future you know earth is dying and they need to escape so they kind of like sail across a part of the ocean and disappear into this new world and that premise is just it's (laughs) mind-blowing like it was such a good lore for this series like they came from a normal you know like we live today and now they're in this world with magic and it just it the last book in the series kind of follows how they got to this new place and it was just yeah it's it's a really good fantasy series it sounds really unique i kind of like the lack of uh love interest through all of it because i have to find when you've got a uh, sort of in the genre you've got female rulers they immediately want to start marrying them off to people mm-hmm. um <laughs> and uh it tends to be like the entire despite that they have all the responsibilities to their kingdom they're willing to sort of sacrifice everything for this one specific love interest but um the idea that she doesn't have any kind of gives me um queen elizabeth the first vibes where she's like no i am married to my kingdom and (laughs) i'm not interested in anybody else uh which is really really cool um i always find it quite funny when they have kingdoms that have got failing finances because when i was younger (laughs) (laughs) when I was younger I used to think that that was like so unrealistic like why would any country ever get themselves into ridiculous amounts of debt it just I mean you're a country you're supposed to have money and then I kind of grew up and realized the state of the finances of most of the countries in the world and I was like oh no that's pretty spot on (laughs) yeah it is spot on especially in South Africa we're basically broke but yeah I I, am to be honest I kind of stopped keeping track of the UK K areas but um our chancellor of the exchequer has been on a spending spree <laughs> for the past 12 months which was necessary it was it was necessary but i'm uh, considering i'm the next generation that's uh, <laughs> um, yeah. i'm not necessarily looking forward to the fallout but we'll uh, we'll see um but yeah less serious topics it sounds really really it, I've heard of Queen of the Tealing, I ha- and um, it, but not very much. Which I, it's like a name that sounds familiar, but it's not something I've seen a lot of hype on and social media, which immediately intrigues me because. Yeah, uh, I, I think it deserves a lot more hype. Um, and the protagonist, she is described as very plain, and that's not something you usually see in a fantasy series. But she she struggles with her you know, how she looks. And in the second book, she actually starts to use magic to change her appearance. And that was, for me, a really something that fantasy books never touch on, you know, like she's the queen of this immense kingdom, but she's not beautiful or stunning in any way. And she is described as a a little fat. And when she starts to change her appearance, the people around her start noticing and they actually encourage her to just be who she she wants to be you know and if you want to be you know healthier it should be because you want to be it and not because you know someone else forces you and the queen of the kingdom that they're at war at is described as this beautiful you know sorceress and she thinks she can't compete on that level when actually all she needs to do is she needs to rule her kingdom it has nothing to do with how she looks so I really enjoyed that 
as you know, being a little pudgier myself, um, it was really nice to see a protagonist who struggled with these things and who struggled with how she looks and how she wants to, wants the people to see her as. And in the end, she just, you know, realized that it's not about how she looks, but what she can do for her kingdom. And she sacrifices a lot. So that was a really, it hit home. That's a really wonderful message because I, I know what you mean. In fantasy books, they usually, if it's a female protagonist, they usually start the book with, oh, she, she the protagonist, tends to think she looks very plain and that's her opinion. But then eventually as the book goes on, they find a way to completely erase that part of thing and it's not it's not addressed in a satisfying way and more often than not it becomes the sort of the bella swan trope of it's i'm sure she didn't invent it i'm i'm but like she's so plain but that one person sees her for who she is the interesting person she is and it's like really kind of get yeah it it gets quite irritating over time especially when you've got a lot of when you have these really amazing powerful badass intelligent Mm -hmm. heroines it's almost like um most authors don't know how to write a heroine like that who isn't stunningly beautiful like they can't they can't just like who isn't like compute yeah i said like i mean i say stunningly beautiful isn't doesn't fit the conventional definition of what um like mainstream beauty and it's just it does it does get kind of irritating a lot of the time i find myself when i'm reading fantasy series is i actually pay very little attention to i suppose unless it's particularly relevant it's um something that i tend to try and forget <laughs> appearances of characters don't yeah. tend to thingy but i it's really wonderful that they um sort of address that message and that she was surrounded by people who didn't actively encourage her to yeah use magic i just wanted her to be queen and it sounds like she does a really really good job of that and uh yeah that's 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 that that sounds sorry i'm gonna have to read this book now because i really it's it just sounds like a very refreshing take on what is an element of fantasy that is very massively worked in and written at the moment? And fantasy doesn't often include plus-size characters or characters who are actually just you know, normal-looking. Yeah. Like that. Um, but yeah, like most other popular fantasy series, I mean, you have these warriors who are queens and they mm. you know the fan art that you see of them they're always thin they're always pretty and there's nothing wrong with being thin and I mean, beautiful a lot of the time they look exactly the same as well in the fan art and it's 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 it is a problem i know i've read i see a lot on social media just like pl- yeah plus size um representation in fantasy is not very good and it's like they've got issues with like the I know the new Grisha TV series where they're essentially erasing that element of a character as well. And it just, it's just a huge problem that isn't addressed very much, which people need to do better. And it, hopefully it seems like maybe we might be heading to a a time when things are better, but ev- everyone's got to keep pushing. So you definitely should read this book. <laughs> Excellent. So that's Queen of the Tealing. 
and yes. it's part of a series. How many books are there in the series? There's three books in the series and a prequel just came out. I think the prequel is a standalone. Um, I have an arc. I haven't read it yet <laughs> because I'm behind. But <laughs> it's, it's a really good series. And I have some gripes with the ending, but nothing's perfect. Yeah, the I found that with, with trilogies a lot of the time. Um, I mean... I suppose the ending is what it is. I mean, when the I know when Game of Thrones ended, a lot of fans weren't very happy with the way the story went. And I think a lot of people forget sometimes when they're really into a series that, you know, um, the creators of that fiction or world doesn't, they don't owe you the ending you want. They owe you the ending that is supposed to come out of it, whether you agree with it or not. But um, trilogies, I often find it's like, I either love the ending or I hate the ending. I remember when I finished the Divergent trilogy. Um, <laughs> Mad. I was so mad. I, I got to the end of that and I remember I read those books in like three days straight. I basically sat in the same spot yeah. and I just read all three of them back to back. And I remember just finishing the last book and then quietly closing it and looking at it and then throwing it across the room. Yeah. I don't even think I read the last few pages of the book. Like mm. after the big thing happens, I kind of just close the book and I'm like, nope, sorry, <laughs> not happening. Nope. No, you, you, three strikes, you're out. Nope done <laughs> um but i mean it'll be good to ex uh, okay so i'm expecting to i'm expecting an interesting ending to queen of the tealing trilogy well that is your five uh, five books for the main list would you mind just recapping all five of them just yeah okay so the first one was harrow the ninth by tamsin muir um space opera sci-fi necromancers in space read it uh the second one is a spark of white fire by sangu mandana and um, based on indian folklore also please read it the third one is small spaces by sarah epstein so a ya thriller the fourth one is get a life chloe brown by talia hebert um, a romance about a chronically ill character. Please read it. And the last one was Queen of the Tearling, a high fantasy book. Uh, also, please read it. <laughs> and please, yeah, please read it. It feels like the, <laughs> yeah, my motto. I constantly or find myself. Just read it or just read it. <laughs> <laughs> read it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, so those are the five books. You said, as you rightly say, it's an impossible choice. Uh, not that I would know because I've, I've not had to make this choice of uh, five books yet. I So I can uh, revel in that. But um, you mentioned you had a couple of honourable mentions. What were they? What nearly made the cut? Okay, so what nearly made the cut was Sky Hunter by Marie Lou. It is a new release. I think it came out late last year. It is part of a duology, so I am finding myself leaning more towards duologies because trilogies take a long time and I'm not very good at finishing series. So two books kind of takes off the pressure. Um, but Sky Hunter is basically about a woman, she cannot speak and that is ideal in her job because this is a dystopian world and there's monsters outside. That kind of, you know, if you make a sound, they can find you. So she is a striker, um, part of a military force, and they fight these monsters. 
Um, so she doesn't speak. It's not yet made clear if it's because of trauma or because, you know, she was just born that way. Um, but it is a really interesting thing because they use sign language in the book. So I really enjoyed it. It is set in like this dystopian San Francisco kind of place um, where all the things that we have now is kind of like they see us as the ancient ones and we've destroyed our society, which is highly likely. <laughs> and they now, you know, attempt to live in the ruins of what we've left behind. So there's this federation that wants to take over the entire continent and they are the last kind of like free city. So they're trying to fight off the federation and all their monsters and it's just great. It sounds amazing. Mary Lou, I, I, I've only ever read her Legend trilogy. It was mm-hmm. one I read sort of when I was quite young and I, I love that series so much. I've seen that she's read and she's written another book um, in that oh. series. Um, I don't know if... My TBR. Yeah, it's not... Um, I don't know if it's come out yet. It's Rebel and I think it's about Daniel's little brother and I'm so excited. Um, I need to read that one. Um, but Mary Lou is... She definitely works really well in that dystopian world, doesn't she? And I, Yeah, I, she... She's one of my favorite authors. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the social commentary of um, the ancient ones destroying the destroying the world. Yeah. It feels like <laughs> feels like um, it's just about <laughs> millennials <laughs> and Gen Z complaining yeah. about <laughs> how they've been... at the moment. <laughs> yeah, very very relatable. Um, and a fairly recent release. So, um, what was the second book that was on your honorable mentions? Okay, so I didn't know if I was allowed to do this because it's a book I haven't read. (laughs) You are more than welcome to pick books that you haven't read. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, It's The Martian by Andy Weir. I've seen the movie like a bajillion times because I love space. And I've been meaning to read the book, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But because I can watch the movie over and over, I'm guessing I would be able to read the book over and over. So, yeah, The Martian it follows a man called Mark Watney and he's left on Mars all alone after they've had to evacuate and his team thought he was dead, so they left him behind. And it's just how he survives on Mars. There's no monsters or horror elements aside from, you know, actual space. But it is just, oh, it's so good. And the movie is really good as well. So, yeah, space is just one of my favorite things. I um so the Martian was actually a was a choice for one of our previous guests on the podcast yeah. for their list um uh and they they really uh enjoyed it and hyped it up quite a bit um so and I from what I understand I haven't read the Martian or seen the film but from what I understand it is the book is excellent and yeah. uh, the film is quite a good representation of it as well so that would be a great honourable mention that you uh, may may try and smuggle into your castle in Scotland if I yeah. happen to not be looking. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really, really excellent fun list. I, I um, was really looking forward to seeing what this would turn out. And I've, as expected, got many books to add to my shopping cart now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if 
listeners wanted to maybe hear your thoughts on these books, read your reviews, maybe see what other books didn't quite make it, but you enjoy, uh, where might they find you on the internet? Okay, so um, I have a book blog. It's yourwordsmyink.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as Your Words My Ink. So you can find me everywhere. And I also run a book club Discord called the Read Better Book Club. So you can find me there as well. You can come and read along. Um, Our May book club pick. When is this episode going up? This will go out uh, in, it will be out in April. I think it's Tuesday or the Tuesday after. (laughs) Okay. Our um, May book club pick is um, The Reckless Afterlife of Harriet Stoker. I think that's the title. Um, May is my birthday, so I got to pick the book. So if you want to join us, you can find the link in any of my social medias for the Discord. And yeah, I had a lot of fun talking about these books. Excellent. And uh, I uh, I think I might have to check. I've never been part of a book club, but I've always wanted to join one. So I, uh, oh, I may. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah, I will have to come and check that out. So thank you again so much for joining us, uh, listeners. Uh, you know, if you want to follow the podcast, uh, we're at Books to Last Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places that do podcasts. And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or tell someone else you know uh, might like it. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next time, bye for now.